it almost seems like you can mark your calendar a year in advance. Come February, we'll be talking about Syracuse basketball once again on the bubble. That's no different this season. So we decided to speak with Brian Bennett of The Athletic, who covers bracketology and teams on the bubble, to figure out where SU currently sits and what the Orange need to do to book a trip to the NCAA tournament. I'm Thomas Schultz. This is the Daily Orange Sportscast. We're joined on the Daily Orange Sportscast alongside Brian Bennett of The Athletic, where he covers college basketball and bracketology heading into March Madness. Brent, thanks so much for taking some time out of your day to join us. And Syracuse, as usual, is once again on the bubble. What's kind of interesting, though, this year is that the Atlantic Coast Conference seems to be down compared to conferences like the Big Ten. The SEC has had a revival the past few years, even if Kentucky is having a tough season this year. But how does the ACC compare to other major conferences this season? Yeah, I think it's a, a little bit behind some of the others, certainly behind Big Ten in terms of depth, which right now projected to have you know nine or ten teams in the tournament. Uh, certainly behind the Big Twelve, which probably have seven teams in the NCAA tournament, a couple of legit national title contenders, uh, and then even you know the SEC, Big East, getting kind of like five or six teams in ACC, kind of along those lines, but not a lot of uh, uh, you know sure thing national title contenders. You can chalk some of that up to Duke being down, chalk some of it up to North Carolina not being as strong as usual, but even a team like Virginia which has good metrics and, and some good numbers, just hasn't collected a lot of big wins. So we don't we haven't really seen a dominant team emerge yet from the ACC. And because of that, and obviously it's mainly conference games this year, not a lot of non-conference opportunities, is it going to be a bit more challenging for SU and ACC teams on the bubble to make March Madness compared to a team from a tougher conference like the Big Ten that has a little bit worse of a record but has played much harder competition? Yeah, it's just it really all comes down to opportunities, uh, and when you get to the selection process, and and the quad one and quad two wins are, are just so big. And now normally, when you're in the ACC, you can count on dozens about a dozen of those. Especially every time you play Duke, that's a quad one. Uh, that's not the case this year. Uh, Duke, even if you play them at home right now, there it would be a quad two. And you know North Carolina again is just barely in, uh, on the top fifty cut line right now. So there's not a lot of opportunities to get those big wins. And of course Syracuse got hurt when Louisville, the Louisville game had to be postponed. Who knows if we'll see that be made up? But that was a big one, especially because it was on the road. That would have been a, a key opportunity to get one of those quad wins, especially away from home, which the committee is looking at. Even though most teams don't have fans, the home road is still still a big deal. So yeah, normally at this time we'd be talking. Syracuse would have. You know, tons of quad one opportunities uh, in a season, but uh, so far, I believe they only played four games in quad one and not a lot really coming up down the stretch. You mentioned Duke a bit down this year, now a quad two. They were a quad one just this past week. How much does the loss of Jalen Johnson, who opted out of the rest of the season, change the impact of that game against Syracuse? Yeah, we'll have to see. And, and it's clear that update, they, they are a quad one if you play them on the road right now, but if you play them at home, they're not. So it's a. Uh, it's interesting because they're so low. In fact, uh, when North Carolina beat them, they were just barely a, a quad one, one win on on the road. But yeah, we'll have to see. Uh, actually, the team has played quite a bit better the last couple of times out without Jalen Johnson. I think you can make a case that 
at the very least, he might have been a distraction. Or maybe there's some chemistry issues there. But again, they haven't really played difficult opposition since. I mean, they played well against NC State and, and Wake Forest. I'm not going to do backflips over that. But uh, certainly you could see a little bit more efficiency from them. And perhaps that maybe it's a rallying point for them. Maybe they start playing better down the stretch. So, so I don't think it's going to make a huge difference in terms of for Syracuse's opportunities. They're just, they're just going to need to collect some wins with some other teams that they have beaten, win some games on the stretch. And they're probably... I would say most likely going to have to win some games in whatever version of an ACC tournament we end up getting. And the ACC tournament is going to be strange with some teams currently dealing with COVID issues. How well does Syracuse have to do in the ACC tournament? Can they win a couple of games over lesser opponents and make March Madness? Or do they still need a big quad one win? Oh, they definitely need one and probably a couple. I mean, being at 1-4 right now in quad one is, is kind of a killer. And then when you look at quad two, it's two and one. Uh, so not a lot to make up for that there. And then you've got the one quad three loss. So when you take that into account, th- those are some pretty damning numbers for Syracuse. And, and the only way to really make up for that is to get as many quad one wins as possible. So, yeah, I mean, they're probably going to have to beat a, a Virginia, beat a Florida State. You know, one of those kind of wins that makes you turn your head and say, whoa, okay, maybe this team is something. It, it may take them even getting to the title game of the ACC tournament, depending on how, how other things shake out. Now, that'd be a big run for Syracuse, and frankly, something that they haven't shown that they can do so far this season. Now, a win against Virginia Tech is SU's biggest win of the season right now. The Hokies are a quad two team, but they are on the border of a quad one team just outside the top 30 in net rankings. If Virginia Tech reaches quad one status, how much does that change SU's bubble push? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was a nice win. That's clearly the best win of the year for Syracuse. The only drawback is it was at home, right? So I think, you know, a lot of, you can look at a lot of teams in power conferences who have one or two good wins at home, especially a, a win of the caliber of Virginia Tech, who's a, who's a very good team. I believe I have them around the, like a six seed right now, 36 in the net. So I mean, a good team, but not, you know, an elite team, not a number one, number two seed type of team. So uh, you look at Wichita State beats Houston at home. Houston comes in as a two seed so that happens at conferences but I think it's it's certainly more impressive if you can win those games on the road uh, and you know if Virginia Tech can, can keep winning and, and keep climbing and be, you know become a top 20 type team that will certainly help but Syracuse I think is going to have to get something done away from home as well. So even in a COVID year where there's either no fans or limited fans in an arena how important is it to have a big road win compared to a good solid home victory? Yeah, it still matters. I, in fact, I uh, today I'm, I'm at Bracket Watch. I uh, interviewed the selection ch- committee chairman Mitch Barnhart, who and I asked him that specific question about home road wins because we've seen road teams are winning at a higher percentage this year, and it makes sense without a lot of fans. But one thing he said is that you know it's still tough to travel. It's still tr- tough to go on a court you're not used to. So you got to test. You got to stay in a hotel and maybe space apart and, and eat your meals in the room. And and so he said that you know we're still gonna give weight to, to road wins, it's still hard to do. So that tells me that maybe they don't judge him quite as highly as they did in the past, but it's still going to be an important metric. And when you look at a team like Minnesota, who's got some great wins, but is 0-8 on the road, that may end up keeping them out of the tournament, which would be a weird year to do that, right? <laughs> you know, to go on the road and, and not beat anybody when there's no fans. But uh, certainly, I, it, I don't think we've ever seen a team get in the tournament as an at-large without beating quality competition on the road. So that, that is that is going to remain a factor for this committee. So for Syracuse, let's say they have a couple wins in the ACC tournament, but these are all neutral site games. They aren't road wins. 
How important are these final four games on the schedule? A couple of them on the road, and then maybe they add a fifth game before the ACC tournament. How important is it for SU to win one of these road games to finish the regular season? Yeah, I think it's crucial. And, you know, if they go and win at Duke, that's good. It's still not a win over a tournament team, though, because Duke's not making the tournament. Let's be honest. You know, they they could really use to get that Louisville game rescheduled. You know, if they could, I'm sure both teams are sick of flying to each other's city and not playing. But uh, uh, it would be uh, nice to get that road one if they could they could somehow make that work. Uh, win at Georgia Tech it would be is really about the same as a win at Duke at this point, just from the pure numbers. It would be, be a solid one. Uh, it would be quad one. But again, when the committee starts looking at the metrics like, okay, how many teams did you beat the top 50? How many teams did you beat that are in the tournament field? Those don't really weigh in. So they'd be well-pressed to win as many as they can here. Hope for some good luck in the ACC tournament, and probably gonna have to have some help elsewhere as well. And we started off talking about how the ACC is a bit down this season. Of course, the Big Ten has been by far the best conference in all of college basketball. How many ACC teams do you expect to make the tournament as of right now? Yeah, let me just uh, pull up my bracket watch from uh, this morning. We had six teams from the ACC in right now, but you know some of those are toward the bottom of the seed list, so that could change. You know, obviously, North Carolina is a team that's still a little bit on the borderline. They can't really afford to slip up too much. So, you know, six, six, seven, I think would be the would be the ultimate ceiling. I could see a situation where it's five. You know, so it's a. Uh, in last year, it was down two. I mean, the league was down two last year, which, I, if I remember correctly, I think maybe only four were going to get in last year, maybe five. So it, it has been really a two-year down cycle uh, for the league as a whole. Yeah, just speaking of North Carolina, they had a rough season last year, too, even though they had one of the best freshmen in the country in Cole Anthony. Now, where do you position Syracuse, not just in the ACC, but in the field at large right now? Because it would seem like they are on the outside looking in with an opportunity to make the tourney, but as usual, on the wrong side of the bubble. Yeah, I think that's right. I had a, This morning, I had them as the last team in my next four out, so that would have put them you know, as the eighth team outside of the bracket, you know, that's a, that's a lot to make up because not only do you need those teams ahead of you on the bubble to lose, you need some teams that are in the tournament to lose. And then you, we haven't even started talking about the bid thieves that come from mid-majors and bombers and power conference tournaments that might steal a bid. So you're talking probably maybe maybe 10 teams in front of you if you look at it that way. And so you need a lot of help. You're going to need teams to lose and you're going to have to win. And then just kind of hope the selection committee looks at your resume and says, all right, that's good enough. So, I mean, I think, you know, best case scenario for Syracuse is probably getting in that play-in game, which, you know, wouldn't be totally unfamiliar for them. Territory, this kind of bubble 12C type existence, but uh, that's probably uh, the ceiling at this point, given who they have left on the schedule. Yeah, they had some success in that play-in game as an 11 seed a few years ago, defeating TCU before knocking off third seed of Michigan State in an upset until eventually falling to the Blue Devils in the Sweet 16. But you mentioned there's quite a few teams ahead of Syracuse right now and are well-positioned. Who are some teams that SU fans should be aware of and maybe root against to boost the Orange's chances? Yeah, I'll just, uh, I just can give you a list of the, some of the teams I have ahead of them. Start with Stanford is my first team out. It's a team that has said a lot of things thrown at it this year, and the Pac-12 is you know not, not that strong. So a couple losses from Stanford could easily knock them out. I would look at the Mountain West as well. I have Utah State as my second team out. Right now I have Colorado State, Boise State, and San Diego State all in. It's going to be tough, I think, for the Mountain West to get four teams in, but it is possible. And if they could do a little cannibalization there and maybe end up with only two teams in, then there's there's another bid there. Atlantic 10 is another spot. I got St. Bonaventure up there. 
in my third third team out, St. Louis is in the play-in game. So that there's a league where you probably don't want to see a bid stealer uh, in the conference tournament and, and would probably like to see some teams beat up on each other the last week or so. And then the other ones would be Wichita State, St. John's, and Richmond is another A-10 team I made. So those, those are the ones that probably they keep keep the closest eye on. And I'll throw one more at you. That would be uh, the, the Drake in uh, the Missouri Valley. Still kind of holding on there with just two losses. But one more loss it probably takes them completely out of that large consideration. And I think that's something that fans can sometimes lose sight of is these bid stealers who come in and win their conference tournament, locking in an automatic spot in the NCAA tournament. How many of those bid stealers do we generally see in conference tournaments and heading into March Madness? Yeah, it can vary every year, and uh, this year is going to be interesting because what what happens if you know a top team opts out? What if Gonzaga says that we're not going to play in the WCC tournament because there's nothing in it for us, and then uh, St. Mary's goes on and wins it and gets a bid that it wouldn't have gotten? So th- that is a, a possibility. And uh, speaking of committee chairman Mitch Barnhart, again, for the story, he said, you know, look, if that's what happens, we'll just deal with it. You know, it's the conference's decision. So, there, you know, hopefully that doesn't happen. I think that would be bad for the sport as a whole. But uh, you certainly couldn't blame teams for, for looking at it that way. So that would be one thing to look out for. And that, I think we usually see, you know, maybe two or three at most a year. I remember the last time we had a tournament, 2019, I remember Oregon made a run in the Pac-12 tournament, won that thing, ends up making a run in the Sweet 16, but they definitely would not have been in the tournament had they not won it. And they stole a bid from someone on the Saturday night before Selection Sunday. So that kind of thing happens, mostly in power conferences. There, I don't see a lot of mid-majors who are definitely going to get an at-large this year. So we, I think Syracuse should be safe from that for the most part. But some of these uh, conference tournaments for power conferences, especially if, if, uh, if teams, I don't know if they opt out, but what if what if a COVID outbreak hits some of the better teams and all of a sudden you know, you're left with some weird title game. So, so a lot of weird things can happen in the next few weeks. This is a, an unprecedented year, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And going back to the ACC a little bit, you mentioned just how weak it is this season. Obviously, the Big Ten will have a ton of teams in March Madness this year. Is the ACC closer strength-wise to a conference like the Mountain West or another small conference like the A-10 than it is to those big powerhouses this season like the Big Ten? I probably wouldn't go that far. Mountain West has four pretty good teams, but they're all in that kind of the 9 to 10 to 11 seed line. Um, and then when it drops off a cliff, really, after you get past the, the top four. And the ACC still got a lot of a lot of solid teams. I mean, Virginia, Florida State, those are two teams that could make a run to the Final Four, where I'm not sure that uh, some of these major leagues have, have those type of teams. It probably reminds me more of like an SEC, where you've got, you know, s- some solid solid teams in the upper half, some teams in the bottom half that are – they're kind of weak and not even NIT worthy, so it kind of softens up the entire league. And the fact that you know some of your blue bloods just aren't playing. I mean, look at it like this: you see where Kentucky's not really doing anything this year. It's pretty similar to not having Duke be a, be on the radar, even though Kentucky's been worse than Duke. But uh, uh, I would look at it more like that. It's kind of a, kind of a down year, but still, it goes six or seven deep for sure. Now, going back to Syracuse's schedule and what they need to do in the final couple of weeks, including the ACC tournament. The Orange play Notre Dame, Duke, Georgia Tech, and North Carolina to finish the regular season. Road games against the Blue Devils and Yellow Jackets, and of course, then the ACC tournament. We don't know exactly what that will entail with multiple teams currently dealing with COVID issues, and there was a report from the Athletics' Matthew Gutierrez on Thursday that Syracuse could add a game against Clemson in the first week of March. We'll see what happens there, but going off of this schedule, what is the bare minimum Syracuse needs to do to take one of those 68 spots in the field. 
Yeah, and that's I mean that that's the tricky part here because these last four teams, as we mentioned, just there's not a lot of opportunities here. There are no ranked teams left. There are no teams in the top 50 left. The two road games you mentioned would be good, but not great. It'd be against teams that are not not going to make the tournament uh, unless they win the ACC tournament. So you might have to win all of them. You know, especially when you consider that uh, you know North Carolina and Notre Dame are both at home. You can't lose those games at home. That's for sure. If you go, maybe if you split on the road. Maybe if you pick up another game, whether that's the Louisville makeup game, Clemson, as you mentioned, something like that, win that too, then that still probably puts you, you know, in that in that bubble situation. Maybe gets you up more toward the last four out, and then you have to hope for a run, hope for, for some chaos elsewhere, and uh, and take a shot. But uh, Syracuse has definitely built itself a hole without having these quad one wins and without really doing much in the in the non conference schedule. And how much of these postponements and cancellations that we've seen throughout the season? Harm teams like Syracuse still looking for that quad one win. Yeah, I mean it's just been it's been an absolute disaster, nightmare scenario for people trying to make schedules. Uh, the non-conference was just, I mean, you talk to coaches and they were, uh, they would just laugh at you because it was just so crazy of just trying to get games on a 24-hour notice and shuffling everything around, and then you get in the conference and you just never know. You know, the, with the Louisville situation is a perfect one, right? Where Louisville literally flies to Syracuse, game gets canceled, canceled. Louisville has a huge outbreak. Even Chris Mack gets it. They all get better. Syracuse goes down there, and a couple hours for tip-off, they cancel again. So, I mean, it's just it, – it's it's crazy. But it's it's been happening everywhere. And the one thing that the committee has said through Mitch Barnhart is, listen, we, we get it. We can't really speculate on the games you could have played. We can really just judge you by your resume. It may not be fair, but uh, this whole year is not really about fairness. It's just about trying to get to an NCAA tournament and play it during a pandemic. Now, you mentioned Syracuse probably needs to win the last four games on the schedule. Maybe they had a fifth and make a run in the ACC tournament. And you thought they might even have to make the finals of the conference tournament. How good do you think they need to do? Do they need to make the finals or the semifinals? Or where do they need to end up in the ACC tournament to really solidify a spot in March Madness? Yeah, it, it kind of depends on the on the bracket, right? Who, who you draw, like, you know, if, if some teams fall in front of them uh, and they end up, you know, beating a Georgia Tech and a Wake Forest and a Duke uh, to get to the semifinal or whatever, that's not as impressive as if you beat a Virginia or you beat Florida State on a neutral. You know, that would be impressive. Maybe you sweep Virginia Tech. So that, that gives you another one. So they, I think not only do they have to make a run, but they have to make sure they get one of these big-time opponents and, and put that on their team sheet. Well, it'll be really interesting to see what happens regarding the bubble in March Madness with Syracuse. It's always an exciting time for the program since it seems like an annual tradition at this point that they're always just on the bubble trying to make that leap into the tournament every year. That's Brian Bennett of The Athletic. He had a really interesting article come out on Friday where he spoke with Selection Committee Chairman Mitch Barnhart. You can find all of Brian's work at The Athletic. Brian, thanks so much for joining us today on the Daily Orange Sportscast. That's our show. Thanks so much for listening. Make sure to check out all of our men's basketball coverage at dailyorange.com. We'll have all the information you need to know about SU basketball on the Daily Orange Sportscast, as well as coverage of all other Syracuse sports news. I'm Thomas Schultz, the host and editorial director. Mariah Humiston is the podcast editor. Anish Vasudevan and Ella Plowman are our assistant sports digital editors. 
Adam Wolf is our music producer, and Lucas Serio is our executive producer. Thanks to Brian Bennett of The Athletic for joining us. We'll see you next time.